that's, that's not the message. <laughs> you know, this church is grieving. And he said what Russ just said. He started doing inventory. Okay, did I have my quiet time? You know, is everything good? <laughs> you know, so, because I'm going to need some extra grace here. And, like, am I in good shape to get that grace? Because I've been, you know, faithful and had my quiet time and didn't do anything I shouldn't have been doing. And, you know, and so it affects all of us, doesn't it? It's, you know, reward you know, performance instead of grace, 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 all the time it's grace. Any other thoughts or examples? Well, I'll give you a few in the sermon if you want to wait for those. All right. Um, let's read 7 through 10, please, of Acts 28. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island, Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. And Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us greatly, and when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. So um, here's God meeting the needs of the people on Malta, doing all these healings to the Apostle Paul. And then how did God provide for Paul and his needs? In gratitude, the people of Malta gave them Yeah, he uses means. So God promises to provide our needs, and in this case, he provided it through these islanders being very thankful that their relatives were getting healed by this man who's going to ship off to Rome. So would um, somebody read 11 through 15? After three months, we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered in the island. It was an Alexandrian ship with the figurehead of the twin gods cast in Pollux. We put in at Syracuse and stayed there three days. From there, we set sail and arrived at Rhegium. The next day, the south wind came up, and on the following day, we reached Potuli. There we found some brothers and sisters who invited us to spend a week with them, and so we came to Rome. The brothers and sisters there had heard that we were coming, and they traveled as far as the forum of Appius and the three taverns to meet us. At the sight of these people, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. Okay, thank you. So here, finally arrives at Rome, uh, in spite of delays, like two years sitting in Caesarea, and difficulties, different trials, uh, a shipwreck, he just survived, he actually gets to Rome. So I just want to trace some of the pointers of him getting there. So we, Acts 1921. This is before he knows what's going to happen in Rome. He just, that's part of his mission. It's like, all right, I've done, 
kind of Europe, and I want to go back to Jerusalem, and after all that, I want to get to Rome. Okay? Go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Would somebody read 10 through 15? Always in my prayers, making a request, if perhaps now at last, by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you in order that I might impart some spiritual gift to you, that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by the other's faith, with yours and mine. And I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that often I plan to come to you and have been prevented thus far in order that I might obtain some fruit among you also, even as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greek and barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. Thus, for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you. So here's a little fuller explanation of he wants to get to Rome to be encouraged and share the gospel. And so this is something that he says, I've tried to do before, hasn't worked out yet. Um, and as of then, he hadn't been there yet. Go to Acts 23, 11. Acts 23, 11. authority in heaven and on earth said you must appear in Rome. Right after that, there's a conspiracy to kill Paul. There's um, just all these ins and outs, including a shipwreck. But Jesus himself said, you're going to be in Rome. And so the Lord of the universe gets Paul to Rome. And so that's why, don't just underestimate that sentence that um, was just read of, and thus we arrived at Rome. So <laughs> this was a long time coming that we are finally here. But it's much different than why he thought he was going to get there, right? He wasn't actually going to go sightsee, and he wasn't even going to do some of the things he thought. He, why is he there? He's going to stand before Caesar. So we'll get to that a little later. But So here's this desire he had but the reason he's going to be there and how he got there are so much different than his thinking and won't be hard to connect a dot to our own lives of we have desires we have thoughts things we'd like to happen sometimes they do but it's still different than what we thought it was going to be right i think we often look at our lives and say yeah the lord's plans have been different than ours a few times so any thoughts or questions on that before we move on Somebody please read 16 through 20, Acts 28. When he came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews, and when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people, or the customs of our fathers. Yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. 
But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. Okay, thank you. So why does Paul say he's there, and why is he wearing a chain? Kind of secondary causes and a big cause. there because of false charges of the Jews. Okay, so yeah, he kind of describes the chain of events of, you know, starting in Jerusalem and these accusations and having to appeal to Caesar, and he says, really, it all boils down to what? The hope of Israel. Right, which is what? Messiah. The Messiah. Okay, good, or the resurrection of the Messiah. Okay, well, Let's see what the Jewish leaders had heard and hadn't heard. It's only 21 and 22. They said to him, We have neither received letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren come here and reported or spoken anything bad about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are. For concerning this sect, it is known to us that it is spoken against everywhere. Okay, so what had these Jewish leaders heard about Paul before he got there? Nothing. So, you finally have to go. I didn't check my Bible. That was before I got here. But, you know, from the Middle East to Rome is, what, a good thousand plus miles. So the Jews finally stopped. Because remember, they were pursuing him every place he went. You know, at, at great distances. They would follow Paul and stir up the crowds and try to get bad things to happen to Paul. And they were just relentless in pursuing and persecuting him. And they, he finally got far enough away over on the other end of the Europe. Nobody's heard of Paul and what he's done. But what had they heard about? Go ahead. A sect. What's a sect? Like a group. Yeah. Group, yeah, usually it's a splinter group, right? It's like a sect of the Jews or a sect of Christians is like kind of an off-brand of the mainstream. It's like they're just kind of off doing their own thing. So it's not always a positive to call somebody be part of a sect. It's just a step away from cult. Um, but what, what did they hear about this sect? Always being spoken against. Always being spoken against everywhere. So why would that be true then, first century, and why is that still true now? Why would Christianity, following Jesus Christ, be spoken against everywhere? Because people love darkness rather than light. Okay, there's a good bottom line answer from John 3. Good. People hate Christ, so people hate his followers. Also a good answer, right, John 15. Don't be surprised the world hates you, it hates me. So that those would be plenty right there. <laughs> Any other reasons why the hate and why the, uh, the love of the darkness? So what is it about Christianity that brings that out? 
Okay, you want to say a little more about that? Okay, so for Jewish people, that would be a stumbling block, right? Okay, Mark? Oh, in terms of challenges to established power structure. Okay, did that for the Jewish thing too? Jesus was, I mean, he is the Messiah, but they thought if he was the Messiah, he would have overthrown the rule of Rome and it would have looked different instead of, you know, being a human and he died on a cross. Okay, you know, so good. It yeah, so there different. were some expectations like, yeah. okay, didn't happen the way we thought it was going to. What about now? Why do you, okay, we'll take a survey first. How many think, we'll just get American culture. How many do you think American culture at large view Christianity as a positive thing? Not seeing a lot of hands. Okay. What, how does our culture typically think, at least of our kind of Christian, evangelical-type Christians, what's the perception of our bunch in the eyes of our culture? Judgmental. Judgmental, yes. Haters. We're haters. Narrow-minded. Narrow-minded. Why? Why do they think that? Because we say that there's only one way. That's the big one, isn't it? That's... Sounds very narrow to say our way is the only way, and therefore your way isn't, right? Um, in the Roman Empire, as well as what I've heard as far as India, nobody had a problem with saying Jesus is Lord because they had all kinds of gods. <laughs> you want to say Jesus is Lord? I've got all kinds of lords and gods already. That's no big deal. I want to add them to the mix. It's when Christians said Jesus is Lord and Caesar isn't Jesus is Lord and Jupiter isn't Jesus is Lord and no other gods are. Jesus is absolute Lord and nobody else is. That's when the first starts flying. And in India, there anybody want to take a guess roughly how many little g gods are in India? In Hinduism? 300 million. Yeah, it's 300 million. I've heard 330 million, but after that much, you know, it doesn't really matter. So you say Jesus is a God? Great. We can have 330 million and one. But you say Jesus is Lord and God and none of ours are? We hate you. Okay, so that exclusivity of biblical Christianity, that there's only one way, there's only one truth, there's only one life, and it's Jesus, and no one comes to the Father but through him and him alone, that is a very offensive Message and it always has been, but I think our culture just raises the tackles even more than maybe other cultures have in the past. I think it's important to know the word too, so you can like Second Timothy three sixteen. The okay. word the word is God breathed. Right, that, right, right. It is it's beneficial for rebuking, teaching, mm -hmm. and it's not up to us. It's the spirit that can convict the person. I know I've shared this before, but um, I, there's a story. Anybody remember the Phil Donahue show? Mm -hmm. So it's a long time ago, but he was, um, he had Jerry Falwell on, Jerry Falwell Sr., and he was interviewing him in a live audience, and Falwell just got right in his face and said, do you mean to tell me if I don't believe in your Jesus, I'm going to hell? And Falwell just very calmly said, I'm not saying that. Jesus Christ says that. Which I'm getting that from knowing that, the word, knowing the word. That that's what Jesus says. It's not your argument isn't with me. That's 
why it's important to know what to say. Mm -hmm. And someone told me that people are born gay. Okay. And so I just, I couldn't be quiet. But I just like, I let her go on the COVID vaccine. <laughs> and so I'm like, I can't, I just can't. It's not true. But it isn't true. They're giving themselves up to the lust of the flesh. That's, That's what the Bible and says. I, and I told her, I said, I didn't say it. It says it in Romans 1 very clear. They gave it up, and God gave them over to it because they don't even acknowledge that he is God. And she just could not. No, that wouldn't go over well, would it? <laughs> well, and I just, I think of Pharaoh when God hardened his heart. And it's so sad because I think that her heart is just so hard, and it's scary because she's like 78. And I'm like, you're on your way to hell. Like you're gonna burn forever. It's forever. It's freaky. Yeah. <laughs> it's like what do you have to lose? If you believe in him, just have faith. He's real. <laughs> I don't know. No, that's good. That's good. Yeah, so that that is one of the flashpoints in our culture these days is the whole LGBT, however many other letters there are now. You know. Christians are seen as intolerant and haters and because we don't gladly celebrate everything. Doesn't mean we have to go hate people of that mindset and spit on them and treat them terribly. Uh, we should, should show them respect as fellow human beings created in the image of God, but we aren't gonna be able to just go, oh yeah, you were born that way, or yeah, this is a good thing when the Bible says it isn't. So we, we're just not at liberty to change the, what God said to keep our culture happy. And that's when some of the blowback comes is, oh, you shouldn't say that. That's yeah. terrible of you to say that. Or, you know, and so it's a, tr a tightrope, isn't it? We wanna be loving and gracious, and we also wanna be truth tellers and not bend the truth to keep the world happy. And, and that's a, a Quite a dance in our culture right now. Being shrewd as vipers and innocent as doves, I think of that a yeah. lot. But telling the truth is love. It is. Because, I mean, that puzzle piece for planting the seed. Right, that I would mean, be a puzzle piece of just yeah. reality says this. Uh, we need to be in touch with the reality. Good. Any other thoughts on current? perception of Christianity in our culture and why we would be spoken against. Well, don't be surprised. Uh, the world hates us. First John 3 reminds us of what Jesus says. is it, it's, it's coming. We're, we're not going to be um, appreciated for some of our views. And that's okay. Um, let's go to... 23 and 24. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. Okay, thank you. So how long does Paul share with these Jewish leaders? All day long. It's an all-day thing. <laughs> it's an all-day seminar. 
And what, what are the two main topics he's hitting? Good. So kingdom of God, remember, is God is the rightful king of all people and all places. All of us have rebelled against his rightful authority in our lives. We want to be king of our own lives. And the kingdom of God is Jesus coming and removing the guilt of our rebellion against the king and changing our hearts so that now we have allegiance and obedience to the rightful king along with all the privileges of belonging to his kingdom. So that's the kingdom of God. That's what he's talking about. And just like Jesus did, remember, on the road to Emmaus, as well as with the disciples um, later, um, showing from the law of Moses and the prophets, Jesus is the one that was spoken of all along. He's coming. He's the Messiah. He'll die. He'll rise again. So that was his message. And how did people respond to that message? My translation um, says others would not believe. So if you change your verb tenses in the present, it's I will not believe. I, I, I can't believe that. I refuse to believe that. Um, and it's similar to John 5.40. You will not come to me that you might have life. So here's life. I'm offering life, eternal life, abundant life, forever with God. We have to come to you to get it. I will not do that. So there's this stubborn, rebellious, dead heart that says, no thank you, uh, even though good news of reconciliation with God is offered to us as a free gift. No thank you. I don't want that. Um, so somebody once said it, um, whosoever will may come, but the world is made up of whosoever wants. That's our hearts. We love darkness. We hate light. Just hearing the truth isn't enough to change a dead heart. We need a heart transplant. Well, let's read 25 through 28. This is how Paul responds to their disbelief. Somebody read 25 to 28. And when they did not agree with one another, they began leaving after Paul had spoken one parting word. The Holy Spirit rightly spoke through Isaiah the prophet to your fathers, saying, Go to this people and say, you will keep on hearing, but will not understand. And you will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull, and with their ears they scarcely hear. And they have closed their eyes, otherwise they might see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they, um, Gentiles, they will also listen. Okay, so Paul quotes from Isaiah 6, and that quote shows up in Matthew 13, Mark 4, Luke 8, John 12, and Romans 11. It's one of the most quoted passages in the New Testament. And what's going on in this passage that Paul's quoting? Okay, good. And he's said that before throughout Acts, hasn't he? 
um, you know, that you, since you refuse, remember back in Acts 13, um, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first, since you repudiate it and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. So again, we, we came, we offered, we proclaimed truth, and what's the heart condition of these people? Because it's grown dull. Yeah. There's this hardening, you mentioned hardening for this. We all start off with hard hearts, right? And left to ourselves, our hearts only get harder. Nothing less than God intervening by grace takes a hard heart like stone and makes it a heart of flesh. Ezekiel 36, we need a heart transplant. So God doesn't have to do anything directly to make a hard heart harder. It's like if you're, because um, Paul uses this imagery of clay, a lump of clay in Romans 9. If you're clay to start with by birth, and you're let out in the sun, you'll just, you will get harder over time. Nobody has to add hardening ingredients to the clay. It's already made up of um, the chemical whatever. <laughs> I don't even know how to talk about it, but like clay is such that left out in the sun, it will always get harder. It never gets softer. And the human heart left to itself in life only gets harder, never gets softer, until and unless God intervenes and changes it. And that's the only reason any of us are believers this morning. Otherwise, that's our hearts right there. That's our ears. We don't hear. That's our eyes. We've closed our eyes. We don't see. God has to change all of that for us by his grace so that we can see and can hear and can understand and can embrace the gospel that he's offering us. So any comments or questions on that? I think it seems that where it says the Holy Spirit spoke that. Mm -hmm. If the Holy Spirit was alive and well then as today, that sure. there is no other way to hear and understand. Um, so those people, even though Jesus hadn't come yet, still have to be saved the same way as we do. Right, good, good. Yeah, and it wasn't just Isaiah's thought, it was the Holy Spirit through Isaiah, which we, again, have seen over and over in Acts when Peter or Paul quote a text from Psalms or whatever they say, the Holy Spirit spoke through David. The Holy Spirit's ultimately the author, capital A, of Scripture. He uses human means like a David or an Isaiah or some other prophet, but it carries the full authority of God himself when God's word says something. So, um, so it's interchangeable. Isaiah said it, yes, but ultimately the Holy Spirit said it through him. And that means it's absolute truth. It's always true. And um, that's what we go to instead of just, well, how do you feel about it? <laughs> you know? do, you, do you think your heart is hard? Do you think, no, it doesn't matter what you think or feel. What does God say? And that's reality. Any other thoughts or questions on this passage? Well, let's read 30 and 31. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him, boldly and with 
without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's how the book of Acts ends. Um, does anybody know what Paul was doing during those two years he's in Rome? Besides welcoming people that came in person and, and proclaiming Christ in the kingdom. Okay, so this is when he writes four of his letters. Anybody know which four? Sometimes called the prison epistles. Okay, so Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon were written when Paul was in Rome during this imprisonment. Um, and again, interesting enough, like Philippians, for example, you know, think about how, how much he talks about he's rejoicing and calling us to rejoice, and he's writing that from a jail cell, <laughs> or his rented quarters at least. So it's like, you know, it's not like he's at a resort and life is good, and like, yeah, rejoice, life is good, isn't it great? Like, we all should rejoice how good life is. It's like, I'm in this, I'm in confinement, and I'm not free to go when I want to go, and I'm not uh, at liberty to do a lot of things I want to do, uh, but I'm still rejoicing and I'm calling you to rejoice. So, um, just interesting again how God uses those weren't wasted two years. God's using those to give us four letters in the New Testament. Does anybody know what happens after two years? Right, so we do know he was tried before Nero, so Acts 27-24, this is Jesus speaking, or actually the angel of God speaking. Um, somebody reads 27-24. It said, do not be afraid, Paul, you must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So again, the Lord of the universe says you must stand before Caesar. So that means that happened. <laughs> and um, eventually he is executed. We don't know the timing of when he was tried and when he was executed. But go to 2 Timothy 4. And this was written when it was getting close. 2 Timothy 4. Um, Let's start with 16 through 18, please, of 2 Timothy 4. So this is Paul's last letter. At my defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you. And then would somebody also read 6 through 8 of chapter 4? For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. 
In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Okay, so you can kind of see the sequence that Paul's appearing before Caesar, who is who at the moment? Nero. Nero. He gave his first defense. How many Christians were in the courtroom with him? Zippo. <laughs> Thanks, guys. He's <laughs> by himself, but who shows up? The Lord himself stood with me. Isn't that cool? Like, friends may fail me. No, friends may fail me. He Help me. Foes assail me. Friends may fail me. He is with me to the end. Thank you. So <laughs> between four of us, we could put that hymn together. But people do let us down, right? Christians let us down. And, and Paul's gracious enough to say, I hope it's not held against them that they didn't show up. They could have reasonably been expected to show up, but they didn't. But the Lord showed up, and that's all that really mattered. And then I think there's, I mean, at least a hint. Why does it say the Lord, the righteous judge? And at least one version would be... <laughs> Because Nero's not a righteous judge. Nero's verdict is going to be, chop his head off. And he says, the righteous judge is going to be a crown of life, or a crown of righteousness. So I don't care what the human judge gives me, including death. I was ready for that. The, the judge with the capital J is going to give me a crown of righteousness, and that's what matters. And it's not just me that's going to get it as an apostle. It's all who love is appearing. So... I don't know, just what a cool way to end your life is just because uh, this is his last letter and he knows it's I mean when he says I'm already being poured out as a drink offering what does that mean and not that you're maybe up on all your Old Testament sacrifices but if you're already pouring a drink offering on the altar you're getting ready to put the next offering on and that's it you know if you're already putting in motion some sacrifices so Paul's saying that process is already in motion um, it's it's happening happened. I've already appeared before Nero. I've already got the sentence. I'm going to be departing soon. Here's where things are at. Um, and what a cool way to end your life. This is knowing the Lord will preserve me from every evil deed and bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory. That's his really last words before just some greetings at the end. To him be the glory. So that in one sense is the end of the book of Acts. Some people have pointed out it's not really the end because it's still being continued in the sense that the Holy Spirit is still working through his followers, Christ's followers, going into all the world and sharing the gospel. So, yes, it got from Jerusalem to Rome, and from Rome it's already been all over the place in the Middle East and Europe, and it's still spreading all over the world because the Holy Spirit's still working. So it's not really the acts of the apostles, it's acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles, and really acts of the Holy Spirit through Christ's followers, whether they're official apostles or just others that are sent. That's us. We get to put the puzzle pieces in uh, around here, and some people get to call, put it in other places around the world. But in a sense, Acts is still being written um, until every tribe and tongue, uh, I can't talk today, every tribe and tongue and nation and people are represented around the throne. So it will happen. Missions will be successful, and there will be people um, from all places around the throne worshiping the land. So that's where it's all going. 
Don't know where America's going, don't know where the world's going, but I know where that's, where everything's ultimately going. <laughs> We're gonna be around the throne. So, any last thoughts or questions on Acts? Do you know how long was Paul's ministry? Altogether? Yeah. Not offhand, I bet it's not hard to find it, but I, I don't know the numbers offhand. I'm gonna ballpark 30-ish years altogether but that's just a very ballpark guess. Anybody know or have a footnote or anything? How about if we give you that assignment, Gary? <laughs> come, come back next week and give a report to the class. Well, I've been praying about what to do next, and I looked at a number of different options, and I landed on First and Second Timothy and Titus, sometimes known as the pastoral epistles. They're not just for pastors. Um, they're actually about how to conduct yourself in the household of faith. This is what Paul describes what First Timothy is about. So um, just some general instructions written to believers. Um, and so Lord, we'll start that next Sunday. So let's pray and um, be done for today. Rodney, would you lead us, please? Our Father in heaven, we uh, thank you for this time together in your word and ask that uh, Holy Word of Scripture would speak to each heart here and, uh, and awaken a fire within us that we can speak boldly for you and, and place those puzzle pieces wherever you would uh, you would have them. Uh, keep us within your will, Lord. In Jesus' name.